I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align podcast. Love is a spectrum. There is not, as it were, nice love and nasty love. Spiritual love and material love. Uh, mature affection on the one hand and infatuation on the other. These are all forms of the same energy. And you have to take it and let it grow where you find it. If you find that only one of these forms exists in you, if at least you will water it, uh, the, the, the rest of the plant will blossom as well. But the essential prerequisite from the beginning is to let it have its way. Boom, 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 boom. Welcome back to the Live Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. And in today's beautiful episode, I got to chat with one of my new favorite people, Miss Jaya. She is a sexological body worker, sexologist, sex expert. Any or all of those terms relate perfectly to her. Um, writer, I would call her an activist of sorts in the mission of normalizing sexuality, educating us on how to be more comfortable with um, our, our, our pee-pees and our wee-wees. Uh, really fun conversation. We get into her background, interesting stories in relation to kind of the, the beginnings of her deep intrigue with sexuality. Uh, we get into this interesting process of what I consider to be demasculinization of men in this modern culture. I don't think we know how to be men anymore. I don't think we ever really get that education. And uh, we just kind of, we just kind of get older. We don't, we don't really have any like rite of passage or any kind of education. What what it really means to be a man, and uh, I don't know. I kind of start tapping into that a little bit in this conversation, and some actionable tips on how to enhance your sexuality. Bam. And I'm gonna talk, touch on something maybe a little controversial. I mean, we're we're already yeah, talking about some controversial, but just around circumcision in the pelvis and men and how their pelvises get frozen from that early trauma. Thank you so much for checking out the website, aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there you find hundreds of free videos on self-care and functional movement. You will find the self-care kit, which is a hollow foam roller with screw and lids inside of that thing. You will get two mild fascia release balls, a heavy duty elastic band with a door anchor. So you can adjust the height of that band. Um, things that are going on in the world. Recently, I performed in my first paid burlesque performance and boylesque performance. Uh, the burlesque thing was really cool. Did some like acro yoga slash dance slash uh, beautiful female taking her clothes off throughout the whole thing. That was great. Uh, and then got into some boundary pushing, which was fun in relation to this podcast episode, doing a, uh, a gay burlesque performance, which was uh, really super fun. And uh, it feels good to push your limits of what you feel you're comfortable with and how we kind of we create all of these 
perceptions of ourselves or what's okay or what's taboo or what it is and all that is just bs it's just beliefs that we create or been been imposed upon us since we're little kids and uh feels good to shake that stuff up a little bit i am not a homosexual not yet at least you never know there's still many many years to come before you know anything can happen i got a uh quote from mr david bohm he is a theoretical physicist and this gets into this relationship of how our uh, experience and our belief systems affect our reality reality is what we take to be true what we take to be true is what we believe and what we believe is based upon our perceptions what we perceive depends on what we look for and what we look for depends on what we think and what we think depends on what we perceive and what we perceive determines what we believe what we believe determines what we take to be true and what we take to be true is our reality that's a head scratcher and uh, they were pretty interesting kind of uh, looking into this this feedback loop of our beliefs affecting our reality and then if any points along that chain of what we believe or what we perceive or what we think or blah 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 we can go in and adjust that perception a little bit through things like ceremonial practices be it sexuality or meditation or breath work or plants or whatever you utilize I think it is crucially important for us to get really curious of what is the software that is running this system that is us. Um, thanks so much for reviews on iTunes, uh, five stars hopefully, and uh, thanks for using the Amazon portal in the right-hand sidebar in the blog and the podcast page. And thanks for being you. Thanks for spreading the show. If this is helping you in any way, shape, or form, it might help some other people possibly as well. Tell your friends. Uh, one more thing, we got uh, some Celtic music here. It's pretty, pretty warlike. These sounds get me pretty hyped up, and uh, you'll get a, a tidbit of that. And then at the end of the episode, you can listen to the full thing. And I would really like us to as homework assignment tap into more of a warrior spirit side of ourselves. Tap into becoming lost, becoming consumed by by music, by drums, by dance, by slamming your hands against the ground, by screaming, by breathing. You know, all of these states allow us to shake up this analytical mind that we have where we we feel so comfortable in knowing everything. And the fact of the matter is, we don't really know anything and we're governed by our perception and our belief system. And our belief system is a product of our inculcation in what have you environment of normalcy in our culture. And normalcy, uh, Donald Trump is potentially gonna be president. That's normal. <laughs> I think it's so crucially important that we tap into these potentially deeper layers of ourselves to really witness what truth actually means. You look at something like Stockholm Syndrome, and it's like a person gets kidnapped and they start to believe that their their capturer, the kidnapper, is um, is really loves them and they really care about them and it's a totally natural, organic relationship and it's beautiful. In their mind, that's a reality. And uh, I wonder, in that same vein, if there's any kind of Stockholm syndrome or any kind of interesting 
false perceptions that I have in my own self that um, I can explore, and maybe 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 you guys have some of that too. Um, so enjoy the music. Get down with your warrior self. Get down with your ceremonial self. Get down with becoming lost in music and sounds and in movement, whatever it is, uh, to allow yourself to really genuinely process information. I think that's the big thing is, you know, it's like the dream state is a big part of that is processing information for yourself. I think that we can tap into a lot of dreamlike states throughout the day and process a lot more information a lot more effectively. We become consumed by our analytical mind and that's a box. We are living inside of a box. Enjoy the music and uh, check out uh, the music at the end as well. And enjoy Miss Jaya. even sexier if i can get closer to my mouth that was awesome and uh and, and i'm blushing so we, <laughs> uh, so one of the big things that i the reason i like exploring various taboo subjects which is ridiculous that sexuality could potentially be in the realm of taboo-ness but i'd like to normalize these things and be you know just make that be an easy thing for people so Medicinal plants is something that I think is taboo. It's like, we should talk about that. Sexuality is something that's taboo. We should talk about that. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. I want to create a community and a conversation around sexuality because, again, it's it's like my big mission to make it not so taboo and to make it more of something that's celebrated and cultivated around the world instead yeah. of something shamed and pained and traumatized. And so you had a really interesting story in relation to fooling around with a boy. You were like five years old or something like that and can you kind of break into that a little bit I know you've told it before but I think it's important yeah so there's always an inciting event of shame like most of us have a shame story around sexuality and mine the first one I could think about especially it was around oral sex and I was playing with a boy I was really into boys so like at age of two my mom was babysitting a boy and I just had him strip naked and jump up and down on the bed because I wanted to see his penis bounce up and down so you know I mean and, and this is a taboo topic I mean kids exploring sexuality right we've all done it we know we have you know we've had some kind of like doctor game or something like that so uh, fast forward I was like six and I was playing in the bushes with a boy it was a you show me yours I'll show you my kind of thing and I was instructing him you know, I've been doing this since I was a kid <laughs> like instructing people about sexuality so I was like instructing him about my body for some reason and I thought I was in trouble because I was across the street I wasn't supposed to go across the street so my grandmother had called me and she was like what were you doing and I thought oh no I'm in trouble because I went across the street so I was like well I went across the street and I thought I was going to get in trouble for that but that wasn't what I got in trouble for I got in trouble because of what I did. And she said the words, that was dirty. And the instant of that was, I'm dirty, I'm bad, because I enjoyed that. That was fun. 
And therefore that was my first incident of deep shame. And it came around sort of this, it was kind of an oral sex experience with this boy in the bushes. And that was the beginning of I'm bad, I'm wrong because I like pleasure. Yeah. And so fast forward to go from that experience to all of a sudden this deep fascination with sexuality and Jaya Sexpert, mm-hmm. you know, so uh-huh. it's an interesting thing just from like a parenting perspective. You know, if we don't allow these topics and, you know, whatever these curiosities of ourselves to breathe and move, <laughs> it's going to get kind of potentially a little festery and weird, you know, and then eventually you, we need to work that out. Yeah. You know, we're always teaching our kids about sex. So any of you who are listening to this or watching this and you have children, you're teaching them by with your own shame that you have. So unraveling your own shame, but also um, you're teaching them about their bodies. You know, this is our body. We say nose, we say ears, we say mouth, we say chin, but then we say down there or we say you can't talk about that, or we say, you know, that's not okay, and that's not okay to touch. And so those are all the messages that we're sending to our children that some part of them is not okay. Some part of them is bad. Some part of them is wrong. And I'd love to see us unravel that as a culture, that this is just part of our body. This is just part of who we are. And instead of, in sexology, we talk about the genital whole. And the genital whole is I don't have a mental or um, visual connection to my genitals, especially for women, because we we aren't in touch with our genitals as much like men use touch their genitals to pee. So we aren't necessarily in touch as much growing up with them. And so there can be this really big disconnect between the mind and the body in that area. Hmm. Yeah. And so I think it's. I see kind of these congruencies with how we lead our lives in general, even with like the sterilization of our food or the sterilization of our lifestyles in general. You know, we're so attempted to be so detached from really getting into, I think, ourselves because it's, it's kind of scary. But then you look in the history and all of the things that we think we, that we found ourselves upon, especially in the realm of like religion. And I read this thing, I was looking into the, the uh, Da Vinci Code, you know, the sex scene in there that was, was very interesting. Eros, Camos, Yeah. Yeah. And uh, are you familiar with, the, with with those old Jewish traditions and so the priestess I'm, Shekinah and all that by chance? I am familiar for all, with a lot of different traditions because this was early on. It became a fascination with me, like the tantric studies, the Egyptian studies, some of the um, Juda- Judaism, mysticism in there and the whole history of priestess and goddess and goddess worship and also phallus worship. You know, I can, I can get into all that kind of stuff too, yeah. but I, I, I'm fascinated with our history of, with sex and how, you know, how we've evolved sexually. I love Christopher Ryan's book, Sex at Dawn. I don't know if you've read that book, but fascinating story of sexual evolutionary, you know, theory. And, and then there's also just the idea of mysticism around our sexuality, which I think is another thing that we lose. I think one of the biggest mistakes we've made as a human culture is taking the sacred out of sex or taking God out of the bedroom. Chris is a buddy of mine. He's uh, was living oh, cool. in Portland. I live in here in Bend presently, and uh, been on the podcast and all that. And it's, oh, sweet. again, it's like another individual that's in kind of the the movement just to normalize things. Yeah. You know, it's like through the to- through the tolerance of something, then we be- can begin to understand it. You know, mm-hmm. but it's it's like it's can we kind of maybe get into some type of actionable place for people to start understanding. 
down there you know, or something. It's like, where do people start to start to kind yeah. of become comfortable with this thing? One thing, if I can only teach one tool to people, I often say it's awareness because what we've lost is a lack of awareness of our body, a lack of awareness of what's going on. I see your pelvis in the background. Every time you bend over, I'm like, oh, he's got a pelvis back yeah. there. That's exciting. We've got anyway. a, lot of, a lot of body parts in this room. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... So talking about awareness, pelvic awareness, I mean, just right there, just if everybody could, who's listening to this right now could with me, just start noticing like the bones you're sitting on and just be aware of what's happening there. I mean, if you close your eyes and you go deep into those bones that you're sitting on, those sits bones, like there's a whole world happening there. You might notice pulsing or tension or relaxation or the way your bones are meeting your the thing you're sitting on. And then if you take that awareness just in a little bit to your genital area, you might notice a lot more fun stuff happening. Mm-hmm. That maybe there's some pulsing. What are you noticing as you're as you're tuning in? Are you asking me? Yeah. I am noticing, well, this is something that I attempt to tune in with myself on a regular basis and attempt to tune in with other clients is feeling breath into our pelvic floor, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and feeling that viscoelastic movement all the way through your pelvic diaphragm and your respiratory diaphragm and these relationships between the parts. And Mm -hmm. so whenever I get into that kind of soft, mushy, gooch territory, (laughs) that's that's something that... (laughs) that's something that I'm, I'm feeling into feeling into the perineum and feeling into the life, I guess mm-hmm. that, that exists in there. That's, that's a great word of uh, the life, because I feel like there, it's such a seat of aliveness. And when I tuned in, there's so much happening. Like there's so much happening in just that stillness and that, like there's tingling, there's movement, there's bubbling. There's like, Ooh, I feel alive that in the more I put my attention and awareness there, the more arousal I start to notice. And I think arousal, you know, a lot of people say, oh, and they're trying to make a female Viagra and this and that. But like, I feel like arousal can come just from tuning up a dial of arousal in your own mind. Like you can train your brain to control your arousal. And I have like this arousal dial and I can just tune it up and turn it up and turn up my own arousal. So it's not I'm not reliant or dependent upon a partner necessarily for my own like orgasmic jummy juiciness. I can walk outside and feel the wind in my, on my skin and become completely orgasmic and be in an orgasmic state. Mm. Structurally speaking, yeah. there, there's, there's, I know there's a lot of, uh, influence in the, in the actual formation of our structure and the way that our, our bones and connective tissue align in relation mm-hmm. to our, our capacity to feel ourselves. If we're numb in our physical body, then it's going to be really challenging to feel into the highest expression of our any version of ourselves, but our sexual mm-hmm. selves in this case. Is there anything, what do you think about that? <laughs> so, okay, so when it comes to any issue, if I'm looking at, let's just say numbness, let's say that you just feel nothing. You don't feel arousal, you don't feel turned on, you don't feel like you desire sex, and maybe you do feel like you desire sex or arousal, and you go physical tissue and it just doesn't it short circuits feels numb so there are so many this is the thing with sexuality it's so simple yet it's so complex so every person is so individual that i'm i feel like we have to become detectives in some way around if we just took this issue of numbness i would start by looking first at four things one what's going on in the physical body have they had their spine x-rayed you know is there a subluxation in the lower lumbar spine 
I don't know how um, savvy is your audience around, like, if I say lumbar spine, are they up on lumbar spine? I think they're pretty savvy. I mean, as you know, there's no <laughs> way to know exactly, but from uh -huh. the, the, the comments that I get from people, like, I think y'all are really smart, <laughs> just, so, just so you know. So, but yeah, people, people are into movement, people are into bodies, and um, that's, that's my sense. Great. Fantastic. So if we have, let's say, an unstable pelvis, and you know you can check by just like squeezing your pelvis and if that feels really good um you might need to do a little bit of pelvic stability stuff or let's say you have um had a child and your tailbone's out of place or let's say you've got some nerves that are pinched there in your lower spine or in your upper cervicals that is all going to affect nerve conductivity. So the first thing that may go might be vibration. So if you can't feel vibration, you probably got something going on in, in nervous and in bones and nervous. So structurally something that's physical. Another physical thing I see that causes numbness is scar tissue. I spent two years doing massive research on scar tissue, went through an experience myself. I can share that if, if you want me to share it sometime. No, I, I would love that. Um, okay. So I'll tell a quick story. So I have, I have a son who's now seven and when I had him, I did a whole orgasmic birth thing. So I had this amazing like experience, horses and mountains and all this great stuff during the birth. But I experienced a, a tear because his shoulder got caught and ripped through. This is going to get graphic, guys. So I had an L-shaped tear. It ripped through down to my anus and then ripped the whole vaginal floor. Ouch. Um, I grew keloidal scars, which if anybody knows what those are, those are big purple raised nasty scars. And sex was incredibly painful. And I thought I'd probably never have it again unless I rehabilitated my entire pelvic floor, knowing what I know. This is the curse of knowing what you know sometimes. And I thought, I guess I'm going to have to have surgery. I'm going to have to have like some kind of thing to clean up the scar stuff. Luckily, I have a friend. Her name's Ellen Heed. She's a genius in the world of scars. And I went to her and within three sessions, I was completely healed of scars. Now, before I had these sessions with her, which was scar tissue massage, very specific pelvic floor scar tissue massage, um, I had numbness, I had pain in some areas, and my vaginal opening was being held open. It wouldn't close. It wouldn't go back to resiliency. The tissue was all white or purple because there was no blood flow and no nerve conductivity getting into those areas. And so the scar, because collagen, so collagen is supposed to lay flat. But what happened was my collagen got all like nasty and gnarly and all bleh. And, um, you know, it was pulling and pinching and all this kind of stuff. And most women don't know and men don't know. I mean, majority of men in the United States are circumcised still. And there's a scar from circumcision. There's a scar from, you know, sometimes you bend your penis in a funny way or sometimes you get infections. Like scars can be caused by so many different things. So that's another area a lot of people don't look is, hey, there's, there's scar tissue going on. There's stuff in the layers of the muscles or the fascia. And all that stuff, all those adhesions and things need to be healed, broken up in order to get more sensitivity. And a lot of people don't even know they've lost some sensitivity there. So physical, that's the first category I'd look at is really physical. Second is chemical. And so we're also biochemical beings. So hormones, I'm going to look at, um, you know, are you numbed out because you are low in a certain neurotransmitter? So let's look at the brain. Let's look at neurotransmitters. Let's look at... Have you lost feeling because you're incredibly low dopamine? Um, so you also don't have desire. So there's no reward to have sex because your body's not up on its dopamine. So let's get some dietary things or some other things to start boosting that. So looking at neurotransmitters, looking at hormone levels, looking, you know, do you have testosterone or is it, and, and this is important for women too. So we need to have that. So there's the biochemistry. And then the next stage is emotions. 
Um, you know, sometimes we numb out because we've experienced trauma. And I will say we are as a culture, somewhat of a traumatized society when it comes to sexuality, you know, like we want to normalize this. We want to make this so that it's something celebrated, but for the most part, most of us have experienced some kind of shame, pain, trauma around sex. And if that's a vaginal exam that went wrong, (laughs) you know, prostate exam, if that's, you know, who knows it can, it could be just heartache, heartbreak. Um, your partner cheated on you and that can numb you out. All of those emotional, even childbirth sometimes, you know, I, I get into women's bodies. I didn't explain what I do, but I actually am a hands-on sexologist, which means I get into people's bodies. I'm, I spend a lot of time with bodies and, you know, I just recently, I was working with a woman and she had kind of numbed out and was not desirous of sex with her partner. Her partner and her were kind of living in a little bit of a sexless relationship. And I got in there and she started just bawling, crying from birth trauma, from, you know, the birth of her second child. And once that was released, I mean, she's just had massive breakthrough ever since then. And it was, it was through birth trauma that she had this emotion that had, had gotten locked into her pelvis. And then once we released that emotion, she was like, what just happened? So some pretty amazing stuff. So there's the emotional aspect. And then there's the aspect of energetics. And I think this is another place where a lot of people don't look, but there's the aspect of we're bioenergetic before we're anything else. And I have a whole blueprint mapping system, which we can also talk about if you want to dive into that. But people, there are some people who are just way more sensitive to it. I'm one of those people. I'm highly energetic. So if there's too much electromagnetic frequency in my space that can whack me out. I will not sleep well. I'll, you know, get headaches like that kind of stuff. And then that doesn't make me necessarily feel sexy and juicy. It affects my cortisol levels, which can affect drive. Um, and so I can numb out because I'm too sensitive. So that's the, the bioelectrical aspect of my, my system gets overwhelmed because there's so much information coming into me because I'm so sensitive that I just short circuit and numb out because I can't handle any more of a frequency or a vibration or whatever's going on. Um, so I short circuit and then like that'll happen at my clitoris. If you go too fast, too quick for my clitoris, I'll short circuit and numb out. So that's what I'm going to look at. And then I'm going to look at blueprint mapping as well. So, and that's part of the blueprints is where I call those the four obstacles to optimal sexual health and pleasure. And so if we look at those four, that's where we start our detective work. And so I happen to fall into the illusion that all of those categories that you just explained are different translations or different vernacular of the exact same experience, which is the human experience. You know, so when you say like, oh, I'm having a neurotransmission thing. Oh, I'm having a emotional thing. Oh, I'm having an energy. Oh, I'm having a physical thing. Whatever language you're comfortable with explaining your thing, that's fine. It's all the same thing. (laughs) It is essentially the human experience and looking at it from a holistic perspective versus, you know, somebody might just look at it from the body perspective. Yeah. Yeah. But they all affect one another. It's all just. Right. Right. You know, and so something like you see like the, you know, the, the hands up winning position is like, you know, that affects your testosterone levels. That affects your cortisol levels that directly all of these are our, our cells don't have eyeballs. What they have is the sensation of what our physical body is, is doing. And then they translate that into hormonal expressions, I yep. think. Right? Yep. <laughs> and I, I think it's so interesting, something like sexuality in our culture, we end up kind of like pushing that aside. And then I think sometimes perhaps 
we bring these dysfunctional movement patterns like hyperkyphosis and the sad puppy dog, uh, posterior tilted pelvis, and we <laughs> carry that into a short-lived sexual experience. And we're like, cool, sweet. I'm right. doing it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I have this theory, you know, and I'm going to touch on something maybe a little controversial. I mean, we're, we're already yeah, talking about there. something yeah. controversial, but just around <laughs> circumcision in the pelvis and men and how their pelvises get frozen from that early trauma. And then they don't, they're not allowed, they, they can't unlock that because they've been frozen into this space. So I see a lot of that frozen pelvis from circumcision traumas. How do we unlock it? How do we, unlock, yeah. like, how do we get, like shame is such a big thing. Like how do we get started melting layers back, peeling onions? Yeah. Um, so if you're doing this on your own, I mean, just creating a practice around self-pleasure that is not the norm, I will say, or not the average. I will call it the average. I don't like the word norm because to me, what is normal is like, <laughs> you know, superhuman to most people. So I, I will call it the average. So what the average is, is kind of like, you know, I do my same thing every time I self-pleasure or I watch porn or, you know, whatever. And I'm, I'm not an anti-porn person. I'm an anti-unconsciousness <laughs> around our habits and practices. And so if we create new practices, like maybe it's about like, let me see what I can, how I can move my pelvis instead of doing this motion on my penis. Right. Like, let me move my pelvis instead of moving my hand. What would that do? And that would be a practice for men and women. I mean, women, you can, you could put your middle finger in your clitoris and start just moving your pelvis, making pelvic circles. Um, and make sure you add breath. So if I were going to give you the keys, it's breath movement. And this one's a hard one for most people is sound, you know, just like a little, ah, oh, and your exhale, a little, you know, just having that attention awareness in your pelvis movement in your pelvis, that touch along with breath and sound can be a really magic combination and create an unleashing and a transformation in your pelvis. And then, go. and then if you want to work with a body worker, working with a body worker, yeah. you know, that, I mean, that's where I see big transformation. Yeah. Yeah. And so breath, breath is sound, which is convenient. <laughs> yeah. So is there, so as far as like tools for people on how to use their breath, exactly. Cause that's, that's the, that's always the guy, like breath is the most important tool. And you're like, okay, I'm going to use my breath, you know, but can we kind uh -huh. of maybe dive into what that, what that looks like? Sure. Um, so I do all different kinds of breathing. My favorite for erotic experiencing is doing breath ladders, um, which would be, we can do it. Let's just do it. Cause let's instead it, of talking please. about it, let's do it. Um, so you can close your eyes or keep your eyes open either way. And whatever number of fingers that I have up, or I'll, I'll tell you, cause some people might have their eyes closed. So one inhale in, inhale in through your mouth and then let it fall out your mouth. Again, one inhale in and let it fall out. Good. Now two inhales in and let it fall out. Two and let it fall out. Now three inhales in and fall out. Three. And you can add a little sound. Now let's do four. And let it fall out. Good. 
<sighs> and five breaths in. And out. Back down to four. Speed that up a little. Faster. Good. I'll take a deep breath in. Contract your pelvic floor muscles. Hold the breath. Hold the contraction. Hold, hold, hold. Drop your chin a little. Take a sniff of air. And now exhale it out. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Good. How you feel? <laughs> Holy shit! That was. Uh, I thought I was gonna pass out. <laughs> <laughs> that was so. Uh, back, back to being Aaron. <laughs> so, that, so imagine that during sex, or imagine that during self pleasure. Yeah. For like forty-five minutes to an hour, right. you've completely transformed your self pleasure practice. So, uh, so it, yeah. So I would recommend don't do that while driving, uh, but do it every other circumstance possibly. I'm standing on a foam roller as we were doing that. I literally, I swear to God, I almost, I almost completely passed out. That was great. Um, that's a form of meditation. What, what is that called? There's the breath. Um, I, I'm totally forgot. It's like a psychedelic. You do it for like an hour, and it changes your life. I haven't done There's it. I'm curious. Holotropic breathing, which is, is not what that is necessarily. Because we're really making sure we exhale, like we're not trying to hyperventilate ourselves, kind of type thing. But yeah, holotropic breathing is awesome. Have you tinkered with that? And I have tinkered. Yes, breath is like my drug. I I, I would rather breathe than take drugs any day. So <laughs> breathe enough sex. Right. Yeah. I kind of like drugs yeah. and breath at the same time. That too. <laughs> some teacher plans, some breath, some sex. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, one of the things that I think is really crucially important is that is the lack of ceremony that we have in our reality. And that to me, there was a moment there where I felt in ceremony with you. Um, and that was great. You know, and I want to integrate as much of that into my life as possible. So I buy things like didgeridoos and djembes and random sound makers and, you know, just like anything that you can do to get lost in what people maybe call flow state um, I think is crucially important for your body's ability to process information. It's like the dream state, you know? It's yeah. Like yeah. One thing I want to say on there that I love is a reframe is we've taken a lot of things that used to be recreational and made them recreational, mm -hmm. um, dance, yeah. teacher planned experiences or drugs, um, you know, sex. It used to be something that was practiced as a recreational thing. And yeah, we've lost the ceremony. We've lost the ritual and we've lost the intention behind why we're doing things. 
And I love that reframe for me. That was really powerful. One of my shamanic teachers taught me that, like, let's make it recreational versus recreational. Yeah. You know, and that's something it's, it's like the, the act of, of procreation is, it's a pretty big deal. (laughs) (laughs) And most of us do it unconsciously. You know, it's like you have like your Instagram ringers, like as you're fornicating, it's like, we, we can do better than that. You know, (laughs) like we can. Yes. Is there anything we could kind of maybe some tidbits of like, like you're, uh, you know, a, a beautiful, integrated, open minded woman. You know, I'm curious your perspective on what is a really ceremonial area for you. I'm not explaining that very well. Mm. I'm still recovering from the breathing thing. But like, what's the be- what's best set setting <laughs> for sexuality for you? <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, best setting really depends upon your blueprinting. So if I could talk about that for just a second. Um, So what I've noticed since I work with a lot of bodies and have my hands on a lot of people, um, I'll start this with a story. So I had a client come to me. I work with a lot of celebrities here in LA. I can't say who they are, but um, I had a a celebrity client come to me and I see a lot of people who have erectile challenges or just sex connection with their partner challenges. And there was a challenge getting aroused, having an erection, getting to orgasm in this particular body. And so I'm working with him and I, I started just hovering my hands over his body because I had the, the intention, the intuition that he was maybe a little bit wired differently than the way he thought. And so I just started hovering my hands. I wasn't even touching him. Like I was above his skin or I was doing really light, barely touching fingertip touch. And he got this really hard erection and his eyeballs popped open really big. And he looked at me and he goes, what's happening? And his body started kind of shaking and jerking. And I'm like, you're having a full body orgasm. (laughs) And his wife is looking at me like, what? And this is like the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. Right. And and they didn't understand what was going on. And I had to explain to him afterwards, well, you know, people are wired very differently sexually. And we live in a culture in which one of the blueprints is actually taught, which is the sexual blueprint, especially as a man. You're expected that if I touch your penis, if I walk in the room naked, that you should have an erection because that's the way men are wired. And I really like to bust the myth that men are simple, that men are, you know, this way. That's the way men are. That's the way masculinity looks. Um and so at any rate, he, he was totally transformed. A lot of my energetic men are very transformed by this idea of, I was just talking to someone yesterday who's had massive breakthrough in not even knowing that it was possible that he could have orgasms from not even touching or not even have penetration type sex and be like having these mind blowing experiences with women. And, and he called, he's still right me emails that say like is this possible like what's going on (laughs) you know because we just don't nobody talks about this stuff so that was when I started going you know what we need a model for arousal that is not this traditional model that what we've been taught and so the very first blueprint if you haven't clued into it is energetic and energetics are people who are highly sensitive they're bioenergetic before anything else and they're very turned on by less less is more um, you could eye gaze with them. You can like, I'm feeling you right now, like that, you know, breath, just the breath exchange and like just feeling you looking in your eyes on the computer, we can completely have an energetic exchange. I'm more energetic. Right. I have a feeling you probably have a lot of energetic in your blueprint as well. Mm. And so there's, 
you can have an energetic exchange without even being in physical proximity. You could go into orgasm without having physical touch. Um, the shadow side is you short circuit very easily. So you get overwhelmed, your body short circuits, you go numb, you can't handle it. You can't take anymore. Um, you might also cook people. That was my big thing. Like I cooked a lot. Like I would just, fr- when I'd have sex with people, I would fry them, you know, they'd like not be able to function for a few <laughs> days afterwards. So, you know, I got really scared about cooking people. Um, so that's an energetic. Then we move to the next blueprint, which is sensual and sensual blueprints are, environment is everything. So the candles, the smells in the room, the sensuality of a curve of someone's body and just getting lost in a curve. It's a full body experience. It's not necessarily genital focus, but genitals need to be included in the, in the whole of the body. So there's a sensuality, the smells, the taste, the textures, the shadow side of this, of the sensual is that they get caught in their heads um, great story here. I had a couple, he came in, um, his wife was naked on the bed. She's like gorgeous, naked, all laid out on the bed. And he sees the socks on the floor. He doesn't see his gorgeous wife laid knit down on the bed. The socks remind him of the laundry that needs to be done. The laundry needs to be done. Reminds him of the kids. The kids remind him of 20 other things he forgot to do. And so that can be a shadow part of the blueprint is you're so caught in your head. You can't actually sink into your body, which is where all of your eroticism lives is in this full, beautiful body. So then the next one is sexual and sexuals are turned on by nudity. They like sex. They're simple. Like they can get to, you know, orgasm from zero to 60. My secondary blueprint is sexual. So I'm great because I have this energetic sexual, but at the same time, there are total opposites. Like the energetic kind of needs space and time, but the sexual wants to go right to the penetration. Like, let's get to it. We don't need any foreplay. I literally was, I was in my gynecologist's office and this young woman was doing my exam (laughs) and she starts asking me about these blueprints. And she's like, you know, I just think women, can I say the F word on here? Oh yeah. Fuck away. Okay, so no, I just think women need to be fucked. Like, what's the deal with all this foreplay stuff? And she's like, women just need, like, we need to be fucked. And she just kept going on about it. And I was like, I knew exactly what her blueprint is because there are other women who would be like totally freaked out by that idea of like no foreplay and, you know, just having penetration right away. So there's sexual. And the sexual shadow is that they're sort of oblivious to all the other blueprints. Um, because they are so simple, it's like, well, why do we need to do all that? Like, why do we need to put on costumes and try anything else? You know, like it's simple. I get an erection. We have penetration. We have orgasms. It's all good. (laughs) Um, the next one is kinky. And so kinky is turned on by anything taboo. So kinky doesn't necessarily mean whips and chains, although that can be part of the taboo, but kinky is, it's a huge wide spectrum of what can be taboo for some people that sex out a missionary position. For other people, that's ropes and tying people up and all kinds of fun stuff there. And kinky is very creative, like super creative, endless possibilities. There's a lot of fantasy. There can be role play. There's two different types of kinky, psychological and the sensation-based or more physical-based kinky. Um, And then their shadow side is deep, deep shame because a lot of people who are turned on by taboo usually have the deepest well of shame. Another shadow side can be they, they can get stuck in one specific fetish or one specific route to turn on and that can become their only route to turn on and then that becomes a, a challenge. 
And then the final one is a shapeshifter. And a shapeshifter is somebody who can speak all the languages. They can do it all. Um, they can plan it all. They have, and they have to have all of them. Some people are like, yeah, I'm a shapeshifter, but I'm not into kink. That's not a shapeshifter. Um, shapeshifters are the most erotically sophisticated because they can speak all the languages and they are endless fun. And you will wish you have eight octopus arms to play with them. And some of them are kind of like insatiable. Like they can't get enough. You can just play with their body for 20 hours and they're still like, yes, yes, you know, more and more. Um, and so shapeshifter shadow can be, you have the shadow of all the blueprints and none of the positive or shapeshifter shadow is that you always shapeshift to be what your partner wants. And therefore you're never fed because you're only playing in one blueprint. Um, so those are the five blueprints. And so you asked me the question, <laughs> I'm getting to the question. Oh, that's great. I love it. What's the ceremony? What's the ritual? And so for an energetic, I mean, this is a perfect question for an energetic because an energetic, if you set up ceremony and ritual for an energetic, they are sky high, mm. like that you put intentionality into it, that you are creating an emotional connection, that you've put spirit, spirituality in it. You know, like if you, if you set up ritual or in a container, oh, energetics love container because they need to feel safe. So maybe safe container, like for me, just closing all the doors mm -hmm. creates an energetic container yeah. for me, like all the energies contained in the space. Um, maybe having a candle or maybe sitting together and creating some kind of intention. Or if you're doing a self-pleasure session, sitting and doing some kind of intention where you talk about what are your expectations for the session? What are your boundaries? What are your desires for the session? And one of my favorite questions around consent and boundaries is, do you want me to hold you to those? So if intercourse is off the table, do you want me to hold you to that? Or when you start begging for intercourse, am I allowed to break that boundary? Mm. <laughs> I love that question because for me, it's like, okay, that other person has me and has created a container and a ritual where I can play to my edges and know that I can beg, but, I, but we're not going to go there. Mm. Um, and that can be really super hot for an energetic to beg. You want to get an energetic in a space where they're begging and then you don't give it to them because they're turned on by the anticipation. They're turned on by the longing. They're turned on by the idea of what's to come. And that can be really hot. So creating that and then having an end ritual. A lot of people think about foreplay, but they don't think about afterplay. So what's the end ritual? What were the highlights of our experience here? Maybe you do some breathing and some eye gazing and you share what you want more of next time. Um, or maybe it's not talking and maybe it's just sitting and eye gazing and being with the experience. So for an energetic, that might be what it looks like. It's about safety. It's about container. It's about really setting ground so you can play all the way to the edge. For a sensual, oh my goodness, for a sensual, you want to have a plate of food out. You want to have your oils ready. You want to have your massage. You want to make sure the room's warm enough. You want to have a hot bath with rose petals. You want to have the right playlist. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to, you might sit down and, and you might get ready in the bathtub. So the two of you get in the bathtub together and you start talking about what are the boundaries or what, 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 what I want to do to your body tonight. I want to lick your body from the tips of your toes all the way. My mouth is watering all the way to the top of your head, like you're the most delicious, juicy strawberry I've ever had. And these are the things that create ritual because they start to differentiate mundane world into magic. And I think we need those toggles. And for the sensual, it's incredibly, incredibly important because otherwise they're caught in their head. You know, they see the socks on the floor. It doesn't feel like a sacred space. It doesn't feel like a space that their mind can like go in 
And so part of it is just creating that environment and that space. Now for a sexual, let's say you want to turn a sexual on and they're coming home from work. You can get yourself totally turned on and ready so that you're wet. I mean, this would be for like a woman, you know, like she's just wet and she's naked and she's there. And there's a note at the top of the stairs that says, come ravish me. And you're just naked and ready. It can be like that simple, but you've created your own intentionality around it. You know, maybe you started with a text earlier in the day and said, I'm going to be hot and wet and ready for you this evening. And that's starting to create intentionality. You know, that's starting to create, that can be a ritual in its own, even though we think of the sexual, maybe it's not something that could be ritualized, but it can be. Absolutely. Kinky. Oh my goodness. There's so much you could do here. Um, you could write uh, a note to your partner that says, bring home ropes tonight. You're going to tie me up. And you have like, here's where it's really important to talk about consent. And here's where it's really important to talk about boundaries as well. And kink can be very sacred. I mean, there's a whole, you know, movement around kink and also going into altered states of consciousness. I healed some of my deepest, darkest stuff, experiencing kink, surrendering into it. And um, you know, went into some pretty scary places, but came out on the other end more whole and healed. So, and going into subspace, you know, going into these altered state of consciousness where your body's producing tons of endorphins and that can happen also through the setup and the ritualization of it all. You know, maybe it's the laying of things out on the bed or it's, you know, at the beginning of any of our kink sessions, I would, I would sit with my partner and do a collaring where I would put a collar on him. And when I would put the collar on him, that represented certain things. That meant he could, he could no longer speak to me. It meant he could no longer look at me. It meant that all of it was for my pleasure and my pleasure only. His whole body I owned, and it was all for my pleasure. And he could ask questions, but only if he asked permission to ask questions. So we had you know, these things set up, and the collar becomes the ritual. It becomes the sacred thing that is very important. It goes on his neck. And as soon as that goes on, he knows he's in a certain role with me. He knows I've got him. He can just completely let go because I am in control or vice versa. You know, if he's, if I had somebody who was dominating me. So, and then shapeshifters, um, you know, you can do any of that fun stuff. <laughs> mix it up. <laughs> you can mix it up. You could do it all in one night. <laughs> one of the things that as you're, as, as you're saying, like one of the like, images that's popping up for me is, is uh, our ability to expand the container beyond just the closed doors of the bedroom. But that's one level of container. And then maybe the house is another level. And then maybe the text message is another level. And then maybe just the earth, you guys being on this planet together, you know, and having that connection between the two. And I think that's something that we get lost in because I think predominantly because our main educators around sexuality is porn. You know, right. I think most guys at least probably, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sexual, right? I'm like, I like my, my dick touch. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, maybe you have more layers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so our blueprint shows where we're limited and not where we are expanded, actually, you know, like I'm limited with my partner because my blueprint is energetic sexual. Mm-hmm. Guess what his blueprint is? Uh, not that. <laughs> <laughs> He's a sensual kinky. So I had no kinky vocabulary just like three years ago. Right. And that's his main blueprint. So if all of a sudden, he, you know, I'm not I never fed his blueprint. And that became a problem. And he was never feeding mine because he has an opposite blueprint. He has no sexual, like very little sexual in his blueprint, which just drives me freaking crazy. So the, then, but with a, when I'm with a client, I'm a shapeshifter. 
because I've developed a vocabulary of being able to shape shift when I'm working. But with my own partner, I'm lazy and can sometimes go in. It's like that, the, the, the tailors shoot kids have no clothes, you know, <laughs> where I'm just like, okay, you know, I want to be fed. I like, I want my blueprint fed when it comes to us interacting. And so it's been an interesting dynamic and unraveling of like, okay, how do we communicate this? Or like, how do we play in each other's blueprints even more? How do I develop even more sensual kinky um, when I'm with a particular partner and different partners will bring out different things. So I might have a different partner who would bring out more of my energetic because he's super sexual and he's like wanting sex 24 seven. My energetic would be like, ah! <laughs> you, know? So, you know, different people will bring out different things, but essentially it's showing me where I'm limited and I need to keep expanding and growing. I think there's another th interesting thing you mentioned in relation to getting fucked. And I think that that's something that's... I like it when you say that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, like, I like it too, in fact. <laughs> uh, but, it, but it's the... Uh, there's kind of like this, this demasculination process, I think, that's happening with it's like, instead of being, you know, I've heard you mention before, the wolf, you know, or being the bad boy or being, you know, just, you know, grow your beard out, let your chest hair come out, like chop some wood, you know, like do cool, mm -hmm. do cool stuff, do manly stuff. You know, it's not all just providing security via financial status. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that that, again, is that's just another, it's like this sanitization of our humanity is just putting the dollar sign in front of, you know, maybe some deeper aspects of ourselves. But I think it's, do you know what I'm saying? I know you do. Yeah. What's happened, I think, in our culture is that protection now equals money. Right. And it, in, in a primal way, protection used to equal, you know, man can get food and, you know, da, 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 like all this stuff. But, there, you know, the whole masculine feminine conversation is such an interesting can of, can of worms, especially now. I mean, now I, I know I get I get some flack from other sex educators just having that conversation. And there's a whole yes, it's there's a whole gender galaxy and a lot of people genderize masculine feminine energy. But it's not about gender. Like there can be women who are super masculine energy. There can be men who have super feminine energy and it's not just feminine and masculine energy there's light and dark energy there's in control energy and there's surrendered energy and i think that you know essentially if we go to our primal core um and we look at who we who we've evolved like how we've evolved in human evolutionary psychology and all of this kind of like what you're talking we still have a, a brain that really hasn't evolved very much and, and so there is, I, this is the thing that I, I hate seeing. So this is my peeve is when masculinity is seen as bad and wrong and men are shamed for being men, you know, for like, like appreciating a beautiful woman. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and he gets slapped for that. It's like, no, I want to be appreciated. I, I want to be like looked at and like admired. And I want a man to be like, damn, you know, you are smoking hot. Like, I love that. And, and you know, what's interesting too is, so I have, I have a game that I do in my sessions with a lot of my clients, a lot of my couples, and there's all this don't objectify, right? And I, and I think, yes, outside the bedroom, all of this, you know, feminism and all the, you know, equal equality outside the bedroom stuff can be really great and politically and all of that kind of stuff. So I don't want people to get me wrong here, but inside the bedroom, inside the bedroom I think women are very narcissistic and like to be objectified and here's what my research shows so here's what my research shows I have yet to have had a woman who did not love this game 
And the game is where I have the men sit and admire the women and the women do something sexy with their body. Like maybe they put their ass in the air, they, they, you know, they put their arms up and they start to touch their hair. They're, they're doing something really super sexy and they, and the men will say freeze anytime that they see something that's really super hot to them. And then they'll tell the women what they like and the women aren't allowed to look at them and they're not allowed to speak. The women have to stay in their bodies and feel the gaze on their body of the masculine gaze and feel that and feel that's like, and it is so hot. I mean, I, I watch couples, you know, like the women are get wet, the men get erections, like it is such a turn. And the women look at me and they go, I don't understand why that was such a turn on. Like, I'm not supposed to be turned on by being objectified. I'm not supposed to be turned on. Like, like, but it is a primal brain like our like our brains still have not evolved to have some of these concepts like we haven't caught up yet in our physical bodies with some of the stuff and also like what's wrong with it like if you're if you're saying yes to it if you're saying yes to being gazed at by a partner who feels safe and who loves you and who thinks you are so attractive. And we want to, we want to know that our partner is attracted to us, but yet we shame him for it. Mm. So stop it. Yeah. <laughs> stop emasculating ladies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, it's something that I, you know, work with here in my practice quite a bit is, um, oftentimes post-pregnancy women will be really insecure, like the same similar story that you'd mentioned, whether it's, you know, stretch marks or just w whatever it is. And mm -hmm. then we end up putting that shame in our, you know, in our body. And I think that our capacity to explore someone else's body is congruent with our own potential to explore our own body. You know, mm -hmm. and I think that that's, it's, there's this kind of dualistic barrier there that, that exists. And I think that if we can, if we can really take in our own practice and really explore ourselves to the highest degree, I think that permits our ability to go out. But I went through a, a time Sorry. personally where I was disgusted by sex, you know, and I find it, I kind of found like it was just like small minded, you know, it's just like the human, eh, 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 like trying, uh -huh. you know, it's trying to procreate. It's just like it's the very, self. very energetic shadow of you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think so. <laughs> you know, and it's like, and, and what, but what I'm witnessing with that is this discomfort or maybe disgust with myself, mm. you know, mm -hmm. and, it's, and sometimes sex is just weird. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like it is kind of like if we think about it, sometimes it could it can be really super hot. But sometimes if you put it in a certain frame, like it can just be weird. Yeah. And, you know, we have to and and there's also a spectrum of, you know, there's people who are asexual. And I would say instead of an asexual label, what I would put on them is they're just energetic. Mm. Um, and and so there's different things to look at there as well. And then there are people who have super high, crazy drives like me you know, super crazy orgasmic, super high drives, lots of variety and, and, um, flexibility in our sexuality and, uh, and our sexuality changes. So part of a blueprint. So I've given you the four obstacles. I've given you the five types. So there's another model, the five stages or states of sexuality. And we go through them throughout our lifetime. Like we think of sex as a static thing that, oh, you know, like I'm always going to be like I'm 16 or, oh, when I'm after I've had a baby, it's always going to be like this instead of having fluidity and flow around it. So you might be resting, which is where you're not having sex or you've chosen like sex is weird and I'm just going to kind of take it off the table or it's base and base chakra. I'm going to take it off the table or something, you know, something like that might be going on. So there's a resting state. And that, that can be positive. That could be a, like, I chose to be celibate for a little while. Mm 
mm-hmm. because I was really deeply healing from a trauma of a relationship. And I just needed to take sex off the table for a little while. And that was okay. It was a conscious choice to go, you know what? I'm going to rest for a little, little bit. It didn't last very long. Um, knowing me. <laughs> <laughs> the hardest two days of my life. <laughs> and that often can be tied in with resting. So healing might be, you just had a baby or maybe you had an injury or a surgery or going through cancer, or, you know, like something like that or emotion trauma, emotional trauma, and you need to heal. You need that time. And then the next one's curious. So the curious state is when you're like, how do we make it better? How do I do this? How do I like, how does this work? I want to know my anatomy, you know, when you're really into the how to of sexuality. And then there's the state of adventurous and adventurous is where you're like, okay, I want to push some edges. I want to try something naughty. I want to play with something taboo. Maybe I want to have a threesome, you know, like it's that kind of way of being where you're just really pushing the envelope. And then the final one is transformational. And that's the what's more to sex. That's where you get into sexual ritual. That's where you get into practices that are going to expand you out of mundane sexuality and into um, a sexuality that's more about transformation, about using sexual energy to cultivate something else in your life. Maybe it's cultivating healing. Maybe it's cultivating, um, financial, you know, like it's a, could be a manifestation tool. It could be, um, utilizing it for just altered states of consciousness. So there's, it's that transcendent sexual experience that those people who are in that state are after. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it's a degree of, um, and we're running low on time. There's one thing I'm I'm really curious. I want to get into the healing process that you went through with the, the kinky stuff. Uh Um, but, um, yeah, it seems like there's, this kind of like hierarchy that exists. And it's, it reminds me a lot as you're talking a lot of like psychology of children, you know, and the more safe that a child feels with their parents, the more capacity they have to go out and explore. And you can leave them alone for eight hours and they're like, bah, bah, bah. I know mommy and daddy got me. It's all good. You know, but if you put a child in an insecure environment, they're yeah. not willing to explore. And it seems like that communication is a really crucial component. Absolutely. Yeah. We have to feel safe. And, and I think exploration is a big piece of sexuality. And there's that story of the kids on the playground too, of like, if you don't give them a fence, they huddle in the middle. Mm-hmm. But if they have a fence, they'll play all the way to the edges of the fence. And so a lot of people think boundaries are bad things, but actually having that container, again, that container, those boundaries allow us to play and explore and discover all the way to the edge if we know that we're safe. Mm. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about your own work with, uh, kink the, the kink yeah yeah Is that yeah possible? so yeah so i did a project for my la- my latest book which is called cuff satisfied and uh my partner and i because i didn't know much about kink and i had given us assignment to write this book i thought okay we got to dive in deep so we did six months of deep exploration and we decided to do 40 days where i would dominate him and then we would flip and he would dominate me for 40 days now i would say my natural polarity is feminine dark and in control. That's like my natural, like I'm the goddess Kali kind of energy, you know, <laughs> like feminine, dark and in control. And, um, my partner works really well in masculine light and he's got, some, he's got a lot of dark in him too. And surrendered. So our dynamic was naturally me being dominant, not me being surrendered. And so I have a history of abuse. And what happened was we, we went into day, I think it was day six. And we were having a dinner where I was the surrendered one. And we were having a dinner and I had gone numb completely. So here I am, I'm this like sexy, you know, orgasmic person, right? And my partner is dominating me and I'm dead silent 
do not move, do not breathe. Like I just went completely numb. And there was this voice in my head that was like, I'm not giving you my power. I'm not going to give you my power. I'm not going to show you this hurts. I'm not going to show you that this feels good. I'm not going to show you anything. I'm not, I'm not going to call safe word, no matter how much this hurts or whatever you're doing. And there, there was this brat in my head that was going, fuck you. You think you're dominant? You know, like you think you can control me. You think you like, like all of this stuff was starting to come up. And so he asked me to share what was going on because he'd noticed I'd completely shut down. So day six, and I look at him and I say something like, I'm not going to give you my power. And he looked at me right in the eyes and he said, that's your father's shit. And whoo, I, the tears came out of my eyes, just started trickling down my face. And I knew it's so true. Okay, so there's all my abuse history stuff coming up. I'm not going to give my power over to a man who's hurting me. And said my partner had become my abuser. By, I think it might have been the next day, I had a complete and total emotional catharsis. This is my favorite place to go in sex, by the way. So it's not a bad thing. Like this, when I can go into such a place of safety and trust that I am a blubbering, sobbing, like I'm juicing out of every orifice because I have, I'm so melted like butter and just I'm releasing something so big. And so he put the collar. I told him I needed the collar. I needed the container in order to release what was going on with me. And he put the collar on me and he just held total space for me to release this trauma that hadn't, I hadn't had no trauma stuff come up for like 10 years. I thought I had dealt with it all. <laughs> this is the thing about trauma, right? It rears its ugly head again. And, and so, you know, he, I don't even remember what we were doing much because I went into such an altered state of consciousness, but I started releasing this and probably two or three hours in, I remember opening my eyes and looking out my eyes and going, where am I? What is this? <laughs> Who am I? And it was this part of me that I'd lost when I was about seven or eight that, that came back into the, into the body. And it was so profound, but it also kind of freaked me out. I was like, oh my God, like there's another voice looking out of my eyeballs. <laughs> like, like what is like, I had a consciousness of this thing happening. And so I went to a therapist who understood kink because I was like, look, there's some deep stuff going on. And uh, she said, you know, anybody else I would tell you to stop, but here's the rules. You're not allowed to be gagged. You need to be able to speak. And um, there was like one other one. I can't remember what it is right now. And that was like some of the deeply profound. It took me 32 days to surrender to him out of the 40. But when that 32nd day happened and I finally did surrender, some really profound things happened. But th th there's a lot to the story. So I know we're running short on time. But yeah, yeah, no worries. Yeah, that was my profound catharsis. Yeah. So it's, I mean, I think a, a way to maybe rephrase that is it took you 30 days to surrender to yourself. Maybe you could say that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or to, to trust enough, to trust myself enough, to trust, you know, get rid of that bratty voice and, yeah. and let him lead. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Can you? Uh, so yeah, thanks so much. Uh, where, where do people learn well, more? This is just so wonderful having you as a resource in the world. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you so much for having me. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's quite my pleasure. This is my favorite thing to talk about ever in the world. Right. And I'm such I, I'm just on <laughs> such a huge mission. Like for me, this is so much bigger than me. Like. It's a, it's a worldwide mission to shift sexuality on this planet and normalize it and make it something celebrated and cultivated. So 
it's big and we got some we got some deep dark shit going on on this planet right now around it all so anyway um so how can people find me so i'd love to offer a gift to everybody who is listening so i have an event coming up it's a three-day event um, it's three days of deep dive into blueprints and sexual healing and me working with people. You can come up on stage and work with me and, uh, working with the group, doing group processes three days. I'd like to just offer a scholarship to everybody who hears this. It's September 9th to 11th, 2016. And I think that's the year we're in, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so the website they can go to is yourpathtopassion.com and it's forward slash scholarship. So yourpathtopassion.com forward slash scholarship. If they want to check out a three-day event, come. It's on me. Um, there is a $97 seat fee just so we can hold your seat. You get that back when you come to the event. So when you show up, you get that back. So it is a true scholarship. Wow. So anybody who's listening, hears this, wants to come to L.A. and hang out with me, you can. And then if you want to check out my website, it's missjaya.com. That's M-I-S-S-J-A-I-Y-A.com. Awesome. And there's a quiz on there, so you can take your quiz to find out what your blueprint is. So is that scholarship open to me too? <laughs> Absolutely, come, oh come play with us. Oh, I'm into that. that. Awesome. I love that. Cool. I, I, I um, I'm pr- I gotta look at my calendar, but that sounds that sounds sweet. I'd be into that. So, sweet. Yeah. Well, great. Well, thank you again. Appreciate it. I um, hopefully be seeing you in LA. If you ever make it to the Northwest, come on out. We got lots of. Rivers and eagles. And <laughs> Sounds right it's, up my alley. I so love cool. nature. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Right. Well, I will uh, see you soon. All right. Much love. Thank, thank you, darling. Align Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I greatly appreciate your comments and your shares in iTunes. They determine the ranking and the visibility of the show, and they make me smile. So I look forward to reading those guys. Be sure to check out the website, aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you can find my blog. You can find this podcast, more information about the topics and the, and the uh, guests that we've had on the show. You can find hundreds of absolutely free instructional videos on self-care, functional movement, how to get strong, how to get fast, how to get exactly what you want out of your body as well. Be sure to check out the self-care kit where it is as small enough to fit underneath the seat in your car. And it's like a physical therapist, a massage therapist, all wrapped up into one package. I know you guys are going to love the website. I know you guys are going to get a lot of value out of it. And I look forward to hearing your comments. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening. And remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. Align Podcast.